when you're young, you can take advantage of every single opportunity that comes up. It's, it's like a, a no-risk thing, and it helps uh, broaden your horizons of what you can see yourself doing in the future. Just basically talk to as many people as you can. It's, it's interesting to hear other people's points of view because uh, it, it opens up a lot of a lot more things you wouldn't previously have thought about. Hey, Will Robbins here, and thanks so much for checking out the Infinite Players podcast where we talk to people who are questioning societal limitations, forging their own path in the world. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact, and that is everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. Finite players play to be bet to beat the people around them. Infinite players play to be better than themselves. You have your way. I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. John, Michael, it's uh, it's such a pleasure to have you guys here. I'm really excited to talk to you uh, today because I think you exemplify for me what I think could be the next generation of entrepreneurs educated online, uh, you know, well-networked online, and, and then even through things like Pioneer, possibly getting funded over the internet as well. So I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you guys about your unique experience. Uh, but first, do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, hi, uh, my name is uh, John McElhone, and I'm a, I'm a co-founder uh, alongside Mayhall here. He's with me of CropSafe, and yeah, so we're basically just uh, building CropSafe and give you a bit of con- context behind uh, what CropSafe is, basically. is So traditionally, if, if you're a farmer, uh, you would survey your crops manually. So this would mean you'd go out into your fields every few days or so and check each individual plant for any contaminations, diseases, any problems. So it's always the farmer's job to really keep on top of things. So what CropSafe is, is we use a lot of satellite data, weather station data, a whole bunch of open source data. Uh, we collect this into basically a, a huge, what we call just the crop safe engine. And we give farmers basic basic uh, alerts on their crops. So instead of them going out into their fields every other day and uh, using a, a whole lot, a lot of time, we can basically distill this down into simple alerts. I might say, okay, uh, farmer number one, your, your field is waterlogged in this corner. You need to go do exactly this to, uh, to fix it. So yeah, we're trying to simplify uh, data analytics for, for farming. Yeah, um, my name is Michal, I'm also co-founder of CropSafe with John here and I'd be working directly with the farmers because I've got a farming background and uh, understand the, the ins and outs, not every uh, crop, but I've, I've got a general idea and, and, and we're always learning about the new farm, new farmers, new farms. But yeah, so I'd be feeding back with John and, and then about for, for the feedback on the, on the technology and on the app. And yeah, reaching out to new farmers and running focus groups and yeah, and also just studying software engineering. So I would have a software background and can translate between the two. Yeah, that's how my role is working between the two, working with the farmer and the technology and working with John kind of then to, to implement it. Sounds like a match made in heaven. So the ideas obviously is very cool and and uh, seems to be helping a lot of people but uh, do you want to give a little uh, color on on how it came about and uh, how you guys decided to work together on the project myself and john went to the same high school and uh, we were friends there and, and we and we but we got we got close from going to different 
events around Belfast and or just around Northern Ireland and a few down in the, the Republic of Ireland. But yeah, we, we went to a few events, built some projects, attacked different hackathons and and then thus we eventually went to an event. They taught us how to use satellite imagery and, and how to do a bit of machine learning on the, on the satellite imagery. Yeah, just, just basic uh, classification and um, and and then yeah, we were in a room for about nine hours, uh, just trying to come up with different applications of satellite imagery, and then we we finally came up with, with CropSafe after a few few different ideas. Originally, Crop Shield, then yeah, that that name was already taken, so we had to we had to change. But but yeah, we were, we were in the room for nine hours coming up with the coming up with the idea, and then we presented it at that hackathon, and then we we just took it to another event, and yeah, it kind of went from there. That was yeah, and also come. Because of our backgrounds, we're both from rural uh, Northern Ireland, so there's farms all around us, brought up in a farm, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how the idea came about. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think to kind of build on that, after like we, we sort of built uh, Crop Shield or, or Crop Safe as it is now, <laughs> uh, at those events, um, it wasn't something we were that serious about, it was just a project we presented once and then it was just some, some eventually people started to ask us about. But one thing that we noticed that started to kick it off um, uh, to, to make it more, more serious was a lot of people started asking us to to use the product to, to use CropSafe and it wasn't something that actually existed at the time but we kept on getting people asking us and people giving us their emails and signing up on our waiting list for a product that didn't exist and we got we got we got enough interest for it that uh, this uh, might be some sort of a good idea to take forward because we can see that there's a need for it we have the background and in the farming, we have the background in the technology to actually build this. We can see a possible uh, line to how we can start to build out this technology and start to test it. So we had all the pieces there. We could see the future for it. So yeah, it really started from that once we built the first version of it. But the first version of CropSafe that, that we built, like, I don't even know how long ago it was now. It was like well over a year ago, year and a half ago, probably. It it looks completely different to, to how it does now. I think there's been so much iteration that it's i guess it just happens with really every product it starts to mold over time the customers really just mold it and say hey that that feature's not useful to us so we get rid of it and this feature is more useful to us so we focus more on it so yeah it's been ever changing our product really yeah well i think that's that's common with a lot of projects that are now universally renowned as amazing Luke Skywalker was originally called Luke Starkiller SpaceX was originally the Mars Oasis project so uh, things kind of evolve over time and I was wondering if we could talk a bit about that evolution because I've been to a good few hackathons myself and you pitch an idea, you do well and then it all, you quickly lose interest after, after the weekend is over in, in a lot of cases. So what things, I, I know you went through a few accelerators uh, after that. Do you want to talk a bit about your experience kind of building the product and, and some of the accelerators you took part in yeah i can i can branch off this and then uh, i i think me i'll jump in on it but yeah i think uh, like you mentioned uh, with the hackathons usually usually uh, with the case with hackathons you build a product it's based off your ideas and to be honest you don't really spend much time co- talking to customers it's the product's really just built on your experience and, and and what your experience is with that certain problem you're solving with that product so i think that's one of the pr- first hurdles we had to get over with CropSafe. Is the realization that we shouldn't build a product directly around our problems. The things we, we did after that hackathon was just start talking to the farmers, really as much customers as possible. I think that's the base starting point where every 
startups should really start is just basically interviewing as many people as you can around that problem. And that's how CropSafe started to mold. We started to realize, hey, this thing we were building wasn't really, doesn't really match the, the broad population. Might be something that maybe 2% of, of farmers really, really need. So it branched from there. But in terms of the accelerators, yeah, we, we I think we went through kind of a few different programs. Because uh, to be honest, when, when we started first started CropSafe from um, when it first came about, the first idea came about, we had pretty much no business experience, no growth experience at all, no startup experience at all. My only re real experience building businesses previously was just a few web apps I, I built online, just published them and, and users started using them. So there wasn't really any theory knowledge we had ourselves. Um, so that was helpful. I think the first accelerator we, we got into uh, was from winning that hackathon. It was a hackathon ho hosted by a company called Angel Hack based in San Francisco. And so they did these hackathons all across the world. So we went to the one in Dublin. There's some in uh, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Tokyo, uh, Beijing. But uh, basically all the winners of these hackathons from these cities around the world were put onto this accelerator program, like a pre-pre-accelerator program. It wouldn't be like a full-scale one. Mm -hmm. And just taking ideas to MVP stage, basically. So we got onto that because we won the Dublin hackathon. And then I think I was about 50 cities from across the world that, that went to that one. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the program, they narrowed it down to, I think it was 12 or so companies from the 50 that would they would fly out to san francisco and they would continue the, the the accelerator program on for i think it was another three weeks or so and then at the end of it we would pitch at global demo day at, at san francisco so we ended up doing that with CropSafe. that was the very very early stages of CropSafe. so yeah that was an interesting experience because it was our first basically experience yeah. of anything business startup related so everything was completely new to us and looking back now it's just crazy how how much, how much we've progressed from that, that first pre-accelerator to what we've jumped onto now is the, the Propel Ignite Accelerator in Northern Ireland. It's more of a, a later stage uh, than, than that original one. But I guess, yeah, Michal, you can talk about that a bit more. Yeah, yeah sure thing. Yeah, just just on, on Angel Hack as well, like the, the accountability that they came with that, like every week there would be like deliverables we'd have to do. So we, we, we always had that, we always had that help in hand. Oh, what are you working on this week? Um, is it progressing the company or the idea or the, the MVP? So for AngelHack in the early stages, we did have that ability help in hand. And then later when, now that we're, that we're on Propel, there's also, there, there was weekly, well, Propel's just finished, but there was weekly, there's weekly, like, I forget the name of it, um, but it was every Thursday we had a call to just talk about how the week had been. Um, what was the name of it again, John? It was... It's just like weekly updates or something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. But yeah, that mission was control, that was it. Yeah. yeah, mission control. So uh, we would all, like 20 teams would have, would be given their updates and, and, their, and their metrics for the week. And it would just be a great support network and, and for accountability as well. It was great. And, and that ties into to Pioneer, which is something we've been doing, which is also great for ability. It's got the weekly updates and you vote on other projects. And and yeah, like you said, uh, the hackathons that would, you'd usually work on an idea for a weekend and then drop it off. But it's these kind of programs like Pioneer or Propel or Angel Hack that have the ability that can really help you keep keep going with it, keep pushing and yeah, keep working with users until, until yeah, you get it right and you can start growing and and keep 
working on it. But. You mentioned uh, Pioneer there, and I was going to save that for a bit later, but I, we might as well dive into it now. For, for people who aren't uh, sh- aware of what Pioneer is, do you mind giving it a brief overview? Yeah, Pioneer is pretty much like an online leaderboard. That That's the, the basis. So you, you work your way up, uh, a leaderboard but uh, and you get internet points but the the main the, the, the core thing behind it is just a bunch of people working on projects so there's well a few a few people from from dublin have been working on, on projects like mirror and paper shop so they just start building their project out and then record their progress on pioneer so they would give a weekly update of what they did for the week and then they would yeah, basically say what they plan for next week and, and kind of then ask for feedback from from the from the rest of the people on Pioneer. So then the, the following days, this will be sent out to this will be sent out to a bunch of people so so that they can like vote on on your progress, see how much progress you're making. Um, if you're making good progress, they'll they'll vote on it. They'll give you feedback, and if people are voting on voting on your on your updates to say that oh you're making really good progress you get more internet points and you, you can move up the leaderboard but another way to get the points is to actually give really good feedback so when you get all this feedback you can upvote the best feedback and uh, yeah so when your feedback gets upvoted you get more internet points and move up the leaderboard so it's, it's a really good community thing and, and builds accountability that way but it's all just uh, on, on a website pioneer.app I'm pretty sure but, mm. yeah anyone can sign up it's, uh, it's pretty cool yeah again just to, to expand on that for people the, the benefits of getting to the top of the leaderboard or, or is everything from your trip to Silicon Valley to funding for your company but yeah so I frequently look at the leaderboard and see what cool projects are coming up um, and you guys were pretty much always near the top of that leaderboard so why what things did you do to to make so much progress in in that time and get towards the top of that leaderboard yeah yeah well one thing i, I was thinking about this earlier actually yeah. <laughs> why, why we've uh, climbed it i think it's similar to a lot of like similar to how you work with self-improvement it's really about those one percent improvements every single week um since we're doing it for so long you start to pick up what works well what doesn't work well so when you're giving feedback you might notice that um, maybe people prefer if you um, give them feedback that includes links or maybe people prefer if you give them personal feedback on, on their website. So it's really just those 1% uh, uh, improvements in, in how you're um, building out your startup. You don't have to necessarily correlate it to, to Pioneer. It's basically how you're making progress within your startup. So maybe you could, we noticed like something, for example, that got us more points was if we included our, our weekly metrics and, and just included percentages that two more votes uh, than the previous week. If we included emojis in, in our weekly update, which was strange, that, that got us quite a few more upvotes. If we asked the, the community a question every single week directly related to our, to our product, that got them more interested in our product and they would be more likely to vote on us uh, versus somebody else, which was another 1% increase. And um, another thing we noticed is when we're giving feedback, it was funny actually, some of won this uh, by accident. When you're giving feedback to people, different projects every week it, it asks you uh, when you're voting on the different feedback to, for which one you think was the best it asks you uh, did you find this feedback useful so what we did on our our weekly feedback to other projects after we wrote the feedback the, the two sentences of feedback at the end of every 
every sentence we would write it'd be more likely to agree with your sentence than disagree so that got us like a two percent increase in in the amount of people voting on so yeah it's really just a continuous refinement we since we've been doing it so long like build up in your head okay this this works better than this and this doesn't work so i'm not going to do that so yeah it's just really just continuous refinement of what works what doesn't work and uh, staying consistent i think that's really important of just consistent metrics of what you're building what your long-term goals are people seem to uh, really like how uh, you aim big and just clearly define how you're going to hit those goals like we have pretty pretty ambitious goals but we always lay out exactly how we can achieve for example like 100,000 social media impressions like when you first say that it sounds really big but when you start to read the plan okay we're going to do this this and this to actually achieve those 100,000 social media impressions it starts to make more sense to uh, to ourselves and other people when they're voting on our project so yeah just simplify down and just those one percent increases over time just build them up and build them up and build them up yeah well um it sounds like a lot of the things that you were doing to to move up the scoreboard are just things that even if they didn't help you move the scoreboard would be really helpful for your company which i guess was the vision of of daniel like gamifying productivity yeah, absolutely progress so you, you have spent a lot of time on the platform and this is the last question on Pioneer. What were some of the most impressive companies and, and or individuals that you came across there or, or some really cool uh, projects that, that uh, piqued your interest? Um, I, yeah, I think Michal probably has a, a few on this as well. I think, I think the most interesting ones are the, the real moonshot projects, the people that have crazy ambitious goals and uh, they're making progress towards it every week. Like... A guy I met uh, last week, uh, I think his name is uh, Garrett. He's building a, a company called, uh, I think it's Pipe Dream. So what they're doing, if, if you're familiar with Elon Musk's uh, boring company, where they're, build, they're building tunnels underground to, for like transporting cars. What he's doing is like a transport delivery network. So if you want to send something um, from one building to another building, uh, he's basically building underground tunnels, miniature tunnels, so you can send different packages through them uh, in different ways. So yes, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's uh, I think yeah, it's called Pipe Dream. I, I think that's that's the name of it. Yeah, there's there's so many. I'm trying to think of a few more. Yeah, it was just <clears throat> agreeing with you that there's so many uh, good ones. It's hard to like keep them all in your mind, but uh, w- ones that pop into what what popped into my head there was, I I can't, I can't remember the name of of the company, but they're basically so do the electric battery wall packs that Teslas would have in like their garages. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're designing one for flats. So like if you have a whole apartment, they're going to have maybe a shared garage or a shared garage or, or something. So it's kind of like, yeah, like one for like maybe multiple people to, to share, which I thought was pretty interesting. There's a lot of hardware as well as software products on, on Pioneer, which is, which is definitely interesting. And a more local one that's really cool, Mirror. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they just went through Patch and they're also going to Pioneer. No, sorry. It was some, some difference. Anyway, go, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like a, like a tablet, like a screen that, that you can use, but it's also a mirror, so you can see your reflection and also like watch YouTube videos. And the, they they've been targeting like different different use ca- different use cases, different users, like potentially makeup artists or uh, the, the likes of that that they can uh, or or just people do do makeup, so they can watch a makeup tutorial and and also see the reflection and and do the makeup it's really interesting they all sound really cool if it's not clear already to people a huge fan of pioneer and the work they're doing and i think it's quite important like that patrick 
Collison and Tyler can talk about a praise deficit at the moment in the world where there's not much praise being given out to, to young people working on ambitious things. And I think Pioneer is really powerful in, in encouraging young people that they're better than they think and they can actually work on these exciting projects uh, like yourself. So um, really cool. And, and anyone who hasn't checked it out, I, I highly recommend. But uh, back to CropSafe, in zero to one, Peter Thiel talks about a delineation between globalization and uh, technological innovation. And he kind of champions technological innovation over uh, globalization. But if anything, the work being done at Pioneer, the work you guys are doing is more about the democratization of technology, if I'm uh, not mistaken. And so do you think Peter's point there is fair or do you think actually a lot of benefits could be reaped by broadening access to uh, technology, not just inventing it? What would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think I th- uh, may I'll prize a few ideas on this as well, but I, th- I think there's there's a good point to, to both sides of of that argument. I think a, a lot of what we're focusing on, focusing on right now is opening up or like removing down down the the barriers of, um, for example, in our product, it's uh, breaking down those barriers of technical experience. What we find is like one of the the, the main things um, that's limiting us from a larger market or or more people using our product is really just comes down to to a few key points and, and one of those key points for crop safe just happens to be is a technical experience technical experience that a lot of the traditional farmer isn't really a, a data scientist so they don't really understand most of the average um, uh, farm management softwares so yeah i think building on both of those both sides of that argument it's really just breaking down the that that barrier uh, what crop safe is doing is just breaking down that barrier of technical technical experience so we can broaden uh, broaden out to uh, globalization or like a, a further expansion but also coming from on top of that uh, you can start to innovate based on uh, being able to roll out to, to more people based on a lot of that data just build on that product but do you have anything to say about that Michal? yeah I would, yeah I would, agree. I would agree with you that there's, they could come one after the other or and also hand in hand yes yeah, what we've been doing is taking it one market segment at a time so at the at the moment we were heavily focused on the uk and ireland wheat barley crops cereal crops and and then we, we've also then ranched out to a few farms in japan and california and different crops and growers over there and and we're, and we're slowly going into different crops and different different markets in, in different regions but but yeah there's a lot of like innovation and uh, yeah different angles we have to take in, in each of these markets so even as in those different languages or different ways that the people sp- speak like farmers have different for different things in different areas but but, but yeah that definitely yeah definitely agree with what you're saying john yeah i think that's a, a good way to look at it so Obviously, you guys have spoken about learning a great deal from the the experience itself of uh, of starting CropSafe. But you obviously had had a few skills under your under your belt before starting it, John. Even just looking at your LinkedIn profile a while back was uh, really made me think. You know, what am I what am I doing with all my time? The sheer amount of uh, of courses on there and stuff. Um, and I also saw you went to uh, the 42 school in, in Silicon Valley, um, famed for being a particularly grueling boot camp. Uh, what was that experience like? <laughs> yeah, that was probably the most insane one month of, of my life. Um, uh, yeah, so give a bit, bit of context of, of what it is. is Silicon, 42 in, in Silicon Valley, just across the water from Palo Alto in Fremont. 
it's it's like a programming boot camp. That's what they market as. It's a programming boot camp where you lo- learn the programming language C for for thirty days. So you have these assignments every single day. It's basically up to you to figure out how to do them. But the thing about forty two is there's there's absolutely no teachers. So when I first turned up on the first day, there's like staff that basically open the doors for you. They put you in this big hall full of about two hundred max, and that's the last contact you basically have with the staff at all. So you go find your own computer and you log on, figure out how to do all this, uh, log on and then find your assignments and figure out everything for yourself. Uh, but what I found with, with that boot camp was, uh, even though everyone seems to know as it's they teach you how to program, it's it didn't really seem, by the end of the program, it, was, it seemed like it's more of a mindset shaper than actually teaching you how to program because the actual course is, is insane. You wake up at like 8 a.m. every single day. You go you finish your course at, at basically midnight every day. So it's basically eat, code, sleep nonstop for 30 days. So you're, so you're absolutely wrecked by the end of it. Uh, but yeah, at the end of it, I was kind of thinking what, what I had learned from, from the boot camp. And the main thing really didn't come down that I knew like an awful lot of, of the programming language. So you didn't really, that wasn't really the main point. It was more that, I figured a lot out on more how to figure out things for myself. Cause since there was no teachers, you had to figure out, okay, how am I going to write this piece of code? So really just boils down to asking your peers or, or figuring out on Google. Cause you can, you've pretty much the entire history of the world's knowledge within one click away. You just go into Google and you figure it out for yourself. And that, that's at the end of the program, I figured that we don't, we, I don't think we take advantage of those resources enough and we have to figure out how we can best use them because um, a lot of, a lot of the time, even when I'm talking to people, like people um, ask me to tell me that they want to start a new business, but they don't know how to do this or they don't know how to uh, write code. But like the answer is always in your head. It's just like pretty much just one Google where you can figure it out online. And that was one of, one of the main mindset changes that changes that I had. So, yeah, I would absolutely recommend that, that boot camp, even if you're not interested in program to absolutely every single person, because it just shaped so much of my mindset and time management in particular, because since I was working from like 8 a.m. To, to midnight every single day, one thing I noticed was my head was kind of getting a bit fried. So I was figuring out ways to digest all this information while still rem- remaining uh, sane. Uh, so, so one thing I did every morning, was I would wake up early and I would, uh, I would, um, go for a hike up this hill. I think it was called Coyote Hills just outside Fremont. I go for two hours and I would just climb this hill uh, with like no music or, or nothing at all. I just walk up and spend those two hours just thinking and digesting all this information that I had learned pre- pre- the, the, the day before. So that's one thing I adopted from, from 42 was uh, something that's part of my everyday now that at the end of the day or the start of the day, I always go for walks and it's just really a time to digest all this information and, and think because a lot of the time we don't notice that when you're working so hard, you don't have enough time to basically stop and think about plans for what you're going to do next or, or the future, what worked out and what didn't work out. And that's something you don't really notice until you find a solution to it. I don't know if that really makes sense, but no. yeah, that's something that I've learned from 42. It's, it's an insane skill, I'd say, but I think everybody should have a chance to go to it. Yeah, it seems like something like the hell week for would-be startup founders. Yeah, and I know the founder of Rome Search recently valued at 200 million, Connor Wadisulvan, he actually, he went there 
because it is famously grueling, he went there to, to find a co-founder because he knew kind of anyone who made it through that would be like a great person to work with in the future. So I'm pretty interested in education and that seems like a, a really good model. It's less about the, the credential and, the, and skills and, and more like if someone made it through this, then, then they, can, they can probably figure out whatever next steps along the way. So yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing about your experience there. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought we might close with a few uh, quicker fire questions and ask you guys about what books, if any, have had the biggest impact on you. Good question. I don't know. For for, for me, I read. I've I read a lot of like startup books, like your t- zero to one. I've uh, and yeah, just a bunch a bunch of, of those books, but then also like. With a lot of uh, science fiction books and and the, the the thing with books is there there's always something to like take out of them so it's just it depends on what, what you go like how you immerse yourself in the book and what you're kind of thinking about maybe it's confirmation bias but uh, yeah there's there's always something to take out of like most books but I would recommend or recently I've been going through principles I don't know if I found it a, a really good book but but also in, just in terms of like good good t- content that, that might take you a uh, half an hour or an hour to sit down and digest would be going through Daniel Gross's blogs or or Sam Altman's blogs uh, or essays. I find those really, really interesting. Uh, oh, how about yourself, John? Uh, yeah, yeah like, like you mentioned, I think someone recommended uh, Principles by Ray Dalio, uh, I think it was about a year ago. Uh, and they said, if you, if you ever buy any book in your life, um, it has to be this book. So the first thing I did is I went on Amazon, bought the hard hard copy book, hard copy of it of it. But yeah, it's, it's one of those books that uh, you can create highlights in the book, and you can keep it on your bookshelf for for however however long. And uh, any day you can just just open up a random page and look at one of your highlights, and that highlight is relevant to that day. You can implement it in everyday life. So yeah, I think that's one of my top books. It would be Principles by Ray Dalio. The one I started rereading actually yesterday. I think it's called How to Negotiate Like Your Life Depends on It. I think it's by Chris Voss. Uh, I just started rereading it yesterday because it's, I think, I think there's a thing with a lot of uh, book titles. A lot of book titles don't really uh, explain exactly what's in the book. You have to read the book and understand and make it your own title for the book. Um, So yeah, that's one I would highly recommend. It's similar to uh, the famous um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm Mm -hmm. sure most people have read that. Um, similar to that, how you communicate and how you can understand what people mean by what they're saying. It's just around the psychology of um, talking basically to other people and how to basically negotiate sales deals. And I, f- I find that book ex- extremely useful to myself um, in particular because every single day I'm, I'm on a call to a different salesperson. And you can, it's, it's really fun to pick up those tricks when you, you can hear them uh, start to use this new tactic on you. You're like, ah, okay, I know what you're doing now. I know what you're going to do next. So I, th- I think I think small books like that, uh, that just build on individual skill sets are, are very important. It's just, just building up your, your internal knowledge library of, um, for example, that one was on negotiation. You, you have to just build up on those little, just pillars of negotiation, communication, uh, technology, or, or, or history, or it just goes into everything, basically. Yeah, I think Principles is is a great read. I read I read it a while back, I think when I was in fifty or something as an audiobook, so I probably need to revisit. It's one of those ones that's it's quite dense, so it's more like a buffet that you, you need to go back and, and take yeah. out particular 
parts that resonated at that time. And I must check out that Chris Voss book. I've been meaning to for a while. So yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, and then the second one is what advice would you give to say an ambitious 17 year old aspiring founder who, you know, wants to do something big in the world, but um, they're not really sure. Yeah. Johnny would have fit as well, but uh, I would say probably the best thing we ever did was just seeking out opportunities on like social media. So Twitter is a great example. So just following a bunch of people on Twitter in say tech that you're interested in local or or global. So say follow Dino Gross or your local, even just your local tech companies, they might have events and stuff going on. They might be virtual now. But yeah, and then just going to all these virtual events and, and uh, because you might meet someone, you might come up with an idea or, or yeah, going all these online forums and, and things like Pioneer and, and, or Frontier, which they've recently released. And yeah, just try to like join these communities and get involved with these events because that's where things, yeah, that's where interesting things start to happen. Um, yeah, that's the advice that I give my, my, my former self to do it sooner, maybe. <laughs> How about you, John? Uh, yeah, I think I, I always have these three points I always kind of bring up to people when they asked me these questions, same one of, of yourself, me also the, the opportunities you have to take, uh, when you're young, you can take advantage of every single opportunity that comes up. It's, it's like a, a no risk thing and it helps uh, broaden your horizons of what you can see yourself doing in the future. Yeah, it's just basically uh, opportunities also, also open the doors of, of networking. I think that's very important. You must start as early as possible. Just basically talk to as many people as you can. It's, it's interesting to hear other people's points of view. Because um, if, if, if you're not networking or you're not talking to other people, you're stuck within your own bubble of just bouncing off opinions or ideas off yourself. But once you start to network and talk to other people about these things, it, it, it opens up a lot of a lot more things you wouldn't previously have thought about. So I think that's 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 really important. It builds on on, on Michal's point of, of taking every single opportunity you can when while you're young. You can take those risks now, just just go for them. And Second point really is, is just don't doubt yourself on on anything. It's it's okay to have these huge ambitious goals of of, of building a, a huge company or you're gonna take on Google, take on Amazon. There's if the point where you say that there's no way I'm gonna be um, the next Amazon or, or Facebook or Google is the point where that journey stops. So I think it's okay to be ambitious. It's okay to think big. So I, I yeah, it's just. Yeah, kind of, kind of on that. You you just think big, really. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I think the third one is really uh, something I, I really just learned I learned deeply into was that was at that forty two boot camp was to figure things out for yourself. Nobody's really going to tell you what to do next. I think that's something that we have to unlearn from from going to school. Like when you're going to school, um, everything's laid out for you. You're told what to do next. You're going to do this, and this is going to happen next. And when we come out of school, it, it's you ha- have to understand that, that transition where there's nobody there to tell you, okay, you must start this, you must have this done by then, uh, you must keep yourself accountable. That's something that happened to us. That's something that's we we're used to for so much of our lives, and then all of a sudden it just stops. So I think you have to learn quickly to start to take accountable for your for your own uh, actions and start to motivate your own self, and really you just figure out things out for yourself. You have the whole whole internet to figure out the answer to every single question you access to some of the most knowledgeable and interesting people on this planet there usually just only one email away you can send an email you'll probably get the answer 
answers from some of the largest CEOs or some of your heroes or pretty much anybody um, you can get in contact with within probably less than five, 10 minutes, which is, which is we're in the, the best um, a decade for that. Just you can figure out how to get in contact with any, any single person. So yeah, just take advantage of what opportunities are there. Everything's on your phone. Just one Google away, figure out how to, if you want to figure out how to build a website, just Google figure out how to build a website. That's, that's the thing that I notice with a lot of people is when they come up to me and ask me, I want to build this um, e-commerce store, but I don't know how to code. And my, my first answer, my first question to them is always, uh, did you Google how to learn to code? And the answer is always no for them. So I, I think that's, that's important to realize um, uh, what avenues are available to yourself. And you can figure out a lot of stuff for yourself, but there's also a lot of people willing to help you if you just ask them, just send them an email, send them a LinkedIn request, send them a note, send them a, a letter, or just write it to them basically, because everyone's really to, really happy to help out. Help out. I've, I've never had, ever had someone uh, say to my face, no, I, I don't have time for your, I can't help you out with this. And I've asked probably hundreds, probably thousands of people for help or advice on, on something. So there's yeah there's not really any risk in it you just just jump for it go for it and yeah I think that's my three points I'd say yeah really really good advice from the both of you guys there um I think to your point about school and um, that's probably something I struggle with for a bit like there's no clear roadmap um for life I, after school in school you have exams you can do well them if you work hard but in life nobody sets your exams you have to choose what you're going to pursue, which can be daunting, but when you internalize it, it's also freeing. And then, yeah, uh, to your point, Michal, I think a lot of people feel that they, they might be unlucky or that other people who have succeeded are so lucky, but uh, you've listed out you know, a whole host of things you can do to increase your surface area, so to speak, for luck to, to come into contact with you and, and maximize the, the chance that uh, maximize the serendipity in your life. Build, building silk in public, reaching out to people, um, going to events um, is a really good way to expose yourself to those positive uh, black swans, to, to use Nick Celeb's terms. And then you mentioned there about reaching out to people, and this is kind of the closing question. What, uh, aside from being someone that's worth responding to and, and spending time with, uh, what would you advise as, as how to get responses from these uh, hard-to-reach people? My simple rule is just... Uh keep it short um i think that's one mistake i learned learned the hard way i used to send these really long emails that were like five paragraphs long and then over time i realized that i'm emailing some of the busiest people on the planet and they don't have time to read a random person's five paragraphs so yeah just keep it short ask questions short and people are more likely to respond if you do it that way yeah yeah 100 percent. and and also the the one short question make sure it's uh Something maybe like really unique, unique to their experience, not something that you could Google quite easily or, or something, something like that. Something that's worth replying to, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And a few weeks back, I had a, had Daniel Khan podcast and he was, he was giving examples of getting in touch via cold outreach with Gordon Brown and, and Patrick Collison. Are there any, what, what's kind of your, your hall of fame for cold emails? Like who, who have you managed to get in touch with that uh, people might know? Well, actually, just yesterday, John, you probably got a few cool ones, uh, but uh, just yesterday, um, it wasn't a cold email, but I just tweeted a friend, Dylan, from, from Dublin, and then also uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, just 
a physics question and they both replied. <laughs> well, I was kind of expecting Dylan to reply, but I wasn't expecting Neil to, to cross Tyson to reply. But it's, it's crazy. You can just reach anyone o- online. Let me think. I'm not sure. But yeah, D- Daniel Gross is pretty pretty, pretty cool guy. Yeah. He'll respond to your emails. I've, I've, I've sent him a few things in the past. Most recently, let me think. Probably... Uh, I'm terrible because I can't even I can't even remember the name his name remember, uh, a co-founder of Skype I can't remember his name he's a CEO of Atomico right now the likes of him or even just like a Formula One, previous Formula One driver Nico Rosberg I was talking to him the other day uh, which was which, which was pretty <laughs> cool he's, he's an investor in early stage startups and so yeah you can pretty much get in contact with anyone you can imagine actually the funny thing I I find um I find um a Rolodex basically that a few months ago in a in a charity shop it was it was actually in san francisco a rolodex of all these business cards and it had some like some pretty big names on it like managements of one of bill, i can't remember what's bill gates a bill gates fund called i can't remember uh, what it's called but basically the management person of that was on one of these business cards and uh, some of the early um, directors of apple or, or microsoft or some of these really really big names uh, so that's, that's my next uh, my next job i'm going to start emailing all these business cards I find on this Rolodex of these uh, early execs and see what I can get from it. Cool. That's awesome. Let us know how you get on. Well, guys, uh, it's been a, a really inspiring episode for me and uh, definitely taking some lessons in just figuring stuff out for yourself, having a big vision and, uh, and staying consistent along the way. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. I hope everyone else leaves this as, as inspired as, as I am right now. Yeah. Thanks, Thank thanks, for, thanks for having us on. That was brilliant. Yeah, thanks a million. Thanks for listening to this interview with John Mihal of CropSafe, two particularly impressive young people who, as I mentioned in the interview, exemplify an emerging trend I'm seeing in entrepreneurship of people getting their skills online, building their networks online, and even possibly getting funded online through things like we discussed, like Pioneer. So thanks so much for checking out the interview. Make sure to check out the podcast on a weekly basis for new interviews like this. By people with unique stories and experiences who are working on really exciting projects. Night players play to, be be- to beat the people around them. Infinite players play to be better than themselves. To wake up every single day and say, how can we make our company a better version of itself today than it was yesterday?